0: You're listening to The Table Church podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message.
1: Looking at patterns
0: in the world, that God does not want us to be a part of. We're trying to break those and live unordinary lives. As always, if you have questions or answers or comments, suggestions, criticisms, feel free to text. I'm going to ask you pretty quick here for some ideas. So if you pull those phones out, uh, that you will be ready to go when I get there. Again, that's what this series is about. And this is our theme verse. Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed We are supposed to be pattern breakers, worldly pattern breakers, so that we can be transformed by Jesus and live according to the pattern of the kingdom. As always, we're going to start with some bad news. And today we are talking about idols and idolatry. Uh, You know the story Exodus 32. God brings Israel out of Egypt, they are enslaved to the empire. God hears their cries, sends Moses. Right? You have the, the the plagues. I think there's nine. That would be bad if I didn't know. But I don't think I'm, I'm not. I'm a New Testament guy. N- sends the plagues, and ultimately Pharaoh agrees to let the people go. You know, they go through the parted waters, and they end up. In Exodus 15, and they just sing and dance and praise the Lord for a very long time. And then they end up at Mount Sinai for about a year, and that's the mountain on which the Lord appears to them and gives them the Ten Commandments. Moses goes up for a long time, and you know the story. He's up there so long, and things are kind of scary, and they just came out of a culture that had many, many, many gods and many, many idols. And so they look at Moses' brother Aaron, and they say, you should make it for us a god to worship because we don't know what happened to Moses he went into that cloud it's got lightning it's de- it looks he's probably dead we just should find a different thing this is what they say in exodus 32 the people saw that Moses was taking a long time to come down from the mountain and they gathered around Aaron and said to him come on make us gods who can lead us as for this man Moses who brought us up out of the land of egypt we don't have a clue what has happened to him Aaron said okay <laughs> That's the direct Hebrew translation. Whatevs. Um, He says, Give me your earrings, men, women, children, just give me all your gold. And they crafted uh, the golden calf. And the people declared, These are your gods now, Israel. These are the ones who brought you up out of Egypt, this golden calf. This is us. This is humanity. When things take too long, when we're scared, when we're nervous, when we're upset, frustrated, we don't know what's going to happen, we are going to create something for us to find comfort in and safety because we are religious animals by nature. God put in us a desire, a, a drive to be religious, to seek the mysteries, to be pointed at something beyond what we can see. And the problem is, the bad news is that ultimately, because we have broken hearts and we live in a broken world, that desire to worship the one true God can get perverted and we'll go after any gods who will give us the goods and goals that we want. Anything. What do we mean by idolatry? It's not just carving wood and bowing down to it, though that is part of it. But Ezekiel, the prophet later in the Old Testament, talks about the idols of the heart. There's something more than just a a, a piece of carved wood or rock. We would define it this way. Anyone or anything other than Jesus that we put our hope into or give allegiance to for salvation, safety, security, or success. Anything or anyone. I do this. I I do this, right? Me, personally. The good, the, good, uh, the good liberal in me thinks that education is gonna save the day, right? This is, the, if we could just get everyone educated, that's gonna save the day. The good conservative in me, did I resolve any tension there? The good <laughs> conservative in me thinks that hard work, and self-reliance is gonna save the day, right? Me. I can rely on me and my family. And, and so I have these same things. I, I think this is one of the reasons why I'm so involved in education, even though I'm not a teacher. I think second to Jesus, education is the thing that is going to help people overcome their obstacles and change their lives. And sometimes that can become an idol for me. I'm just like, well, you know, I, they don't have to go to church, but, you know, if we get them educated enough, it'll be fine, right? No. No, that's my broken heart, thinking that we can solve the world, we can find safety, security, salvation, or success in something other than the God of Israel, as revealed to us in Jesus Christ. We all have this in us, this broken heart and this broken culture. So, what are some of our American idols? Thanks. What are some of our idols that our culture struggles with today? If this number doesn't work, it's the church phone number. This is my personal phone number. You're welcome, Internet. Spam me. I don't answer my calls anyways. (laughs) Wow. Y'all were quick. What do you think some of the idols are we have going on in our worlds? Send them to me. I got a list here, but I want to hear from you. Oh, someone look at my next slide I got one text already. Yeah, right? Money. A lot of us striving for the almighty dollar. We literally put the word God on it and it's also got weird like, weird pyramid stuff on it with eyes and stuff. It's weird, y'all. It's weird. It's weird, I'm getting more text. But this can become work. I'm gonna just assume that that's my next slide. I'm talking work, success, finances, the economy. It's literally a golden calf. If you don't know, this is <laughs> the statue outside the stock market exchange. And they call it a bull market, you know. It's, it's literally a golden calf right outside the whole economy, the whole working thing. Whoever sent me texts, text, I appreciate it. Uh, Justin Guarini is definitely an American idol. I appreciate that. <laughs> Twenty years ago. Somebody else said money, yep, yep, yep. Send them if you got them. Technology is a real one, especially for our culture. We just we just have this idea that tech is gonna save the day somehow. Especially even I, who disdain billionaires, I'm like, they'll figure it out, right? I'm like, they'll figure it out. They're like, we gotta go to Mars, <laughs> this thing's broken. And I'm like, if the if all the rich white dudes are trying to get off the planet, I'm like, no, no, we can fix it, right? They're like, we got to go. I'm like, <laughs> but I do have this idea that like, may, we're going to find a solution, right? We're going to find a solution. And maybe going back to work, one of our American idols is that we can consume our way out of the problems that we created. If we just buy the right stuff, if we just buy the right amount of stuff, comfortable living, yes, thank you, Jim Bell. That's point number one. That's point. Uh, tech could be that for us. Family. Family in this day and age has really be this thing that we can revolve our life around and make it the end of our work and idea. I got to tell you, there's a real issue with nationalism in our country on both sides of people thinking that right my my progressive friends sometimes think that if we could just get the right government we will solve all the problems we will experience the kingdom of god on earth and the other people are going we have to get the right people to stop whatever bad stuff everybody else is trying to do we have to, we have to get if we can just get the right lead they both sides if we can just get the right leaders in charge it's going to fix everything and this has become so much of an idol that there are people now willing to kill their neighbor over their political belief and it's not good. Self, identity, right, our own worth. I didn't want to put a picture up for sex, but we do that too with other people. That's what that is, <laughs> Idols anyone or anything other than jesus we put our hope into or give allegiance to for salvation safety security or success and let me just say these are often good things that our broken hearts make ultimate things for our lives and our identities to revolve around they are not in and of themselves bad things but our broken hearts make them too important and ultimately they never deliver what they promise, and Moses will tell you that they're going to try to kill you, destroy you from the inside. Let's read about Moses in this good news. Deuteronomy 31, 15, 20. We're going to be jumping all around Deuteronomy today. If you don't know, it's the end of the first five books in Judaism. That's called the Torah or the Torah. The law, Moses is is trying to teach the people what kind of people to B, he brings them out, right, by God's help through the waters to Mount Sinai. They received the Ten Commandments. There's a bunch of other rules, too. And it gets to Deuteronomy, and essentially what happens in Deuteronomy is it's one long speech of Moses being very, very old, and he's about to die. He's not allowed to go into the Promised Land, and so he's essentially begging the Israelites to follow God, to listen and love. Uh, if you remember, they were such stick people walking around the wilderness that God didn't let them go right into the promised land. So this is the next generation, 40 years later, that Moses is pleading with, saying, "We we need you to do the right thing when you get in there, but it's going to be difficult, it's going to be hard, there's going to be a lot of obstacles, but if you cling to the Lord, you will be good. Here's what he says, the good news. Look here, today I have set before you life and what's good versus death and what's wrong. If you obey the Lord your God's commandments, what I'm commanding you right now by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways, the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and so are misled, worshiping other gods and serving them, I'm telling you right now that you will definitely die. I call heaven and earth as my witnesses against you right now. I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants will live by loving the Lord your God, by obeying his voice, by clinging to him. That's how you will survive and live long in the fertile land. You know how we preach here, head, heart, hands, the head is fixed. Something for us to know, something for us to do, something for us to feel or experience, a character that God wants us to have inside of us to be transformed. And the first question I always ask is what does God want us to know, especially in this theme, so that we can be unordinary. And it's what a text that I've got earlier said. That conformity and comfort our death. This is what God wants you to know. You want these things. In you is ingrained in you to try to do these things because of our brokenness of our own heart, but they will lead to death, Moses promises you. We are to live in the land, but not like the people of the land. Remember last week, we are to be light and salt to the people, not salty like the people. I hope you hear that. I hope. Thank you. Moses says, once you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, don't try to imitate the detestable things those nations do. Don't be like them. Don't be conformed to the patterns of the world. There's a long passage here, and I'll try to sum it up. It's a heartbreaking passage. Moses is like, this land we're going to is so good. There's so many good things there that you will eat and you will be satisfied and you will bless the Lord your God in the wonderful land that he's given to you. But watch yourselves, that's a title. But watch yourselves. Don't forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments. When you eat, get full, build nice houses and settle down. And when your herds and your flocks are growing large, your silver and gold are multiplying and everything you have is thriving, don't become arrogant. Forgetting the Lord your God. Don't forget the Lord your God and follow other gods serving and bowing down to them. Moses is 120 years old begging this new generation that things are going to be so good that you're going to be so comfortable that you're going to be tempted to a few different directions. To be like the other nations and to forget God and your comfort. Conformity and comfort are death. Science proves this. They have a thing called diseases of comfort. Primary cause of death in the 22nd century. I was like, bro, that feels like a million years away. But they say as things get more comfortable and as wealth increases, the number one cause of death in, the, in 80 years is going to be these diseases of comfort. And I know this is true I know this is true because it's true for my family. Here's a line that I pulled out of this. It's from Canada, out of this study. They said, in the USA, a study of national data has shown that only 3% of Americans followed all four of the recommended health rules, namely, don't smoke, maintain a normal weight, eat some fruit and vegetables. I have no problem doing that. It's all the other stuff. (laughs) Get some exercise. All four. Only 3%. If you are in the mung, this 3%. Good for you. But I know diseases of comfort kill because these are this my grandparents, my beloved grandparents. And what I would say about my family is that we're survivors. You put us in a forest and we are thriving. The thing that kills my family is sitting down and sugar. Diabetes, heart disease, right? these obesity. You put us in a forest to run around and and survive, we are in our element. You don't have to do that anymore, right? And so we sit, and it just destroys us. Moses tells us the same thing that happens to our bodies is the same thing that happens to our souls, that conformity and comfort is death. What does Jesus tell us to do to avoid the death of comfort and conformity? I'm not going to read this whole thing, but in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, he says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth, right? Then he says, either you will hate one master or love the other, or you'll be loyal to one and have contempt for the other. You can't serve God and money, right? The money can be a real idol for us. In fact, when Jesus talks about idols, money is really the only one he's talking about. And then in all of these, he's talking about look at the lilies and the birds and they have everything they need and and God promises us if you desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness, all the things that we need will be taken care of. Jesus wants us to break the pattern of the world of comfort and conformity by becoming unordinary and that means for him knowing the risks of comfort and conformity and avoiding them. To just not seek after that stuff to just intentionally not store up for ourselves treasures on earth, but seek first the kingdom and let God take care of the rest. Because as we said, those idols never deliver what they promise and they will kill you. But we can trust Jesus that he will hold us and that he will help us. So that's what Moses and God want us to know. Comfort, conformity equals death. What do they want us to feel? What kind of character do they want us to develop? What do they want us to experience in the inside? Not very catchy, but this is the theme of all of Deuteronomy. To listen and to love. This is what Moses wants to say and pretty much every time he's talking. There's a famous prayer in Judaism called the Shema. You find it in Deuteronomy 6. I'm going to ask you to pray it every day. It's on the bottom of your bulletin. But this is what Jews pray twice a day morning and night and essentially it's this it says listen which is the Hebrew word Shema which is where the name of the prayer comes from Shema Yisrael right listen Israel our God is the Lord only the Lord so right away you have a reminder don't worship idols there is one Lord and it's our God love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength when Jesus is asked When Jesus is asked, what is the most important commandment? He points to this one. In it, you have the idea to not worship idols, but also you have this idea that the motivation behind all of it is to love. is to love. is to love. Moses says it another place. So that you and your descendants will live, what we read earlier, by loving the Lord your God and obeying, or the word here is listening to his voice and clinging to him. This is the character, this is the type of person that God wants us to be and to become. People who listen and love and in this passage to cling. Listening and loving are the postures we need to have towards God in every part of our life. It is the meaning of our life. This is Viktor Frankl. Victor Frankl was a, a brilliant thinker uh, in Nazi Germany, but he wasn't a part of the Nazis, he was Jewish. And he was writing a book on the meaning of life. It's a big book. And the Nazis came for him to take him to Auschwitz, the death camp. And so he took his thesis, his life's work, and he lined it in his coat pocket so that he wouldn't lose his book But he said when he got there, they took his clothes and they burned them. And he was given one of the camp outfits, he said, from some poor soul who had already been killed. And he said he put it on. And in the pocket, he finds a tattered piece of the Shema. The prayer from Deuteronomy 6 that we just talked about. And this is his words. He said, how should I have interpreted such a coincidence, his own quotes, other than as a challenge to live my thoughts instead of merely putting them on paper? He was encouraged to live out a meaningful life, even in the midst of the most difficult human experiences, right? Instead of just trying to write his book about it. And he said it helped him survive. And when he got out, which he ultimately did, he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. It's a great book if you haven't read it. In fact, he says, this is the motivating factor for all of humanity is that we are trying to find meaning in life. And he says, there's nothing in the world that would so effectively help one to survive even the worst conditions as the knowledge that there is a meaning in one's life. He who has a why to live can bear almost any how. He's telling you that you need a why more than you need a how. And that why is going to be a motivating factor for for how you live your life in a meaningful way. The patterns of the world, they want to offer you lots of hows. This is how you should live. This is how you should be safe. This is how you should be successful right? Salvation, safety, security, success. But we as pattern breakers are looking for whys. This is the art of being unordinary. And what is our why? What is the why that we have for living? In the middle of the 1600s, a bunch of theologians got together in England and they let some Scottish people come. (laughs) I love If you read the story, they're like, we let some Scottish theologians come. Only the best of the best, um, and they wrote a, a thing called a catechism, and it's just a bunch of religious answers to questions. And in fact, they frame it that way What's the question? Here's the answer. And there's a bunch of questions. I think there's a close to 100, maybe 100 exactly. I don't know. But I, what I do know is the very first one, I think, gives us our why. And it points back to what Moses said, too. The first question is What is the chief end of humanity? Why do we exist? And the answer is, humanity's reason to exist is to glorify God and to enjoy God forever. That's what they came up in the middle of the 1600s. It's not bad. I don't know what the answer should be, but that's a good answer. To glorify God, I'm going to say that's listening, and to enjoy God forever, to love God, to cling to God. That is our why, to listen to love. It is certainly the why of Deuteronomy. It is certainly the why of Moses' final speech to these Israelites before God brings them to the place that God promised to bring them. To listen, to be people who listen and love. That's the inner posture we, we must have towards God. The problem, and Moses says this, is that our hearts are broken. We can't do this but he tells him to do it anyways, right? What does God want us to do? In the passage that we just read, Moses very clearly says, I want you to choose life. I want you to choose life. I call heaven and earth as my witnesses against you right now. I have set life and death and blessing and curse before you. Choose life. How? Right, how? Especially with the broken hearts. We can look to Jesus. What does Jesus say about choosing life? Mark chapter 8. Jesus says this, all who want to come after me must say no to themselves, must take up their own crosses and follow me. All who want to save their lives will lose them, but all who lose their lives because of me and because of my good news will save them. To choose life, we lose life. Well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I have a quick video, a couple minutes, from one of my favorite projects called The Bible Project, and they're talking about Deuteronomy. And it gets us into the next part of our thing as we conclude. If you have any questions or comments so far, feel free to send them. But here is The Bible Project.
1: And that brings us to the final section of his speech. Yeah, here Moses says, I set before you today life or death, blessing or curse. So choose life. But then things get really interesting because after 40 years with these people, Moses knows they're not going to obey. And so he predicts their failure and even their future exile from the promised land. And he focuses on what he thinks is the true source of the problem, that they have hard and selfish hearts. It's as if Israel is incapable of truly loving God in a way that brings about obedience. But this problem isn't unique to Israel. Yeah, in fact, Moses, when he's using this language about blessing and curse, he's tying Israel's story all the way back to all humanity's story from Genesis 1 through 3. So Adam and Eve, they were blessed by God, just like Israel, and given a choice to trust and obey God like Israel. And then they rebelled and brought a curse on the land like Moses knows Israel is going to do. And so these stories, they're about Israel's hard heart, but they're actually a window into the universal human condition. But Moses doesn't give up hope entirely. That's right. He says that somehow on the other side of Israel's exile, God promises to transform their heart so that one day they truly can listen and love.
0: This isn't a message about trying harder. This is a, your heart is so broken, you can't resist idols on your own and have no power to choose life. It's not very catchy. It's a little long-winded, but that's what this is. Jesus invites you to break the human pattern and become unordinary by confessing your powerlessness. By losing your life for his good name and his good news, and he promises us to restore our hearts and heal them whole so that we can be people who listen and love. And in receiving that heart, we can do just that. Conclusions, ideas, questions. I don't know why I put conclusions. Oh, yeah, questions and answers and conclusions. Someone's going back to some of the American idols and they said sometimes family can be the toughest one. And you're right. Our culture has um, very much valued family in a way that I think we were responding to a culture that didn't value family as much. And so we're still navigating that, but our hearts will take this good thing and turn it into an idol. Thank you so much. Somebody else wrote that, kids, family, money. A lot of you are thinking about family, which I appreciate about. I hate to tell you, Jesus doesn't have kind things to say about your family. He's like, yeah, just leave them for the good news of the gospel. (laughs) Let's wrap this up. If you have any more, send them. This is my friend, Heather Baker Utley. She's a pastor in Texas. I went to school with her. She said, killing idols is also something we do not do by willpower, but by the spirit. I'm thinking specifically of idols in addiction and recovery. The healing in addiction and recovery, the healing in the idolatry of addiction and recovery, right, comes through connection to the community and perpetual surrender to our powerlessness. You don't beat addiction by getting strong. You beat addiction by admitting that you have a broken heart and a broken life and a disordered way of living. And it's continually confessing that that's how you break it. And that's how God encourages us to not conform to the patterns of the world in this sense. It's by being connected to one another, reminding each other not to conform to the patterns of the world and reminding each other that we are powerless against, powerless against the idolatry of the world. I remember being at church maybe three months and my friend Matt, we were 15 years old, he said a phrase that Christians knew but that I'd never heard. He said, Sin isn't ugly, and that was so profound to me because in my mind, you read the scriptures and you're like, this is the the evil thing, but it really is often tempting and attractive. You need a community of people who remind you not to conform and to be people who confess our powerlessness. Let's sum this up. What does God want us to know? Comfort and conformity in the world is death. And as people who follow Jesus, we avoid it. We run away from comfort. With our heart, God wants us to be the kind of people that listens and loves. And with our hands, we kill our idols by choosing life, ultimately by losing our life for Jesus' good name and good news. Here's your spiritual practice again. It's on the bottom of your bulletin. I would love for you to pray the Shema this week maybe once, twice. If you don't like the idea of praying it, just reading it, you can find it in Deuteronomy 6. I think it's 4, 5, 6. You can keep going if you wanted 7 and 8. But I hope that would be a practice that helps remind you that the Lord our God, the Lord alone is the God that we serve and God wants us to be people who are motivated by love. Let's pray. Thank you, Father. Thank you for this message. Thank you that you have given us a why. And thank you that you are working in us you are working in us so that we can be people who listen and love you well. And that will guide us all the days of our life. Lord, we want to be pattern breakers. We do not want to be people who worship at the altars of the stuff of our society because we've seen how it has failed the people around us. So help us to be a community of people that holds each other accountable that reminds each other that that, that we are part of the kingdom, that we don't conform to the outside world when it comes to the destructive behaviors, and that we can remind people that we ultimately are strong when we are weak because you are strong in us when we are vulnerable and weak. Would we continue to see evidence of that in our own lives and in the people around us sitting right next to us? And Father, would you start that process or continue that process even right now as we come to the cup and the bread? You promised to meet us here and it is you that we need because we need that new heart that comes from you. So would this process, would this time be a place where we can confess our powerlessness and our broken hearts and continue to receive healing and wholeness from you? Table Church, will you pray with me? The Lord's Prayer, saying, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.